A genius is a man who has discovered how to increase the intensity of thought to a point when he can freely communicate with sources of knowledge not available through the ordinary rate of thought. Napoleon Hill, author of the best-selling classic book, Think and Grow Rich. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast and part three of our review of Jose Silva's Mind Control Program. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator who, like many of you listening, have been fascinated with learning and understanding the science behind any high-performance strategy proven to increase our results in our schools, our sports, or our modern workplaces. If there's something new that I come across that can help us in any way, I'll investigate it, connect it with the most current research, and then share what I learn with you here. If you've been following the past few episodes, you'll know that I came across Jose Silva's work with Dr. Hassan Ibn Akram from episode 260, who has launched seven successful companies and mentioned that this book completely changed his world. I'd heard of this book and Silva's programs over the years and many of the concepts that Jose Silva mentions in his book, but I hadn't read it cover to cover or practiced the audio training that goes along with the book, so I decided to do a complete review of the program, like we did with Napoleon Hill's book at the start of this year, and see how this book, that was popular in the 80s and 90s, could connect to the interviews we've done previously on this podcast. Especially when Frederica Fabricius mentioned on episode 258 that our mind can be trained to produce flashes of insight that can help us in our business and our personal lives, and what Jose Silva would say could reveal some astounding things with a trained mind. I wondered, how exactly could our mind be trained? Was daily meditation not enough? If it was, how do I even know if I'm meditating the right way? What was I missing from my current practice? What can we learn from the years of research behind Jose Silva's popular program that could help all of us to refine our current meditation practice? Then I thought back to a class I took with John Kabat-Zinn, the father of mindfulness, who reminded us in this class that we're already perfect as we are, and that mindfulness is not about attaining a certain state that brings us to this new level of perfection, but that we're already whole and perfect. Whatever program we're doing now, the idea of this book review is not to say that Jose Silva's method is better or that we might be missing something from what we're already doing, but to see if there's anything new that we cover here that interests us to dive deeper into to further enhance our current practice. Jim Quick, the founder of Quick Learning, has said that we've discovered more in the past 20 years about our brain than we've known in the previous 2,000 years combined. And I think it's so exciting to share new strategies to help all of us, which is the purpose of this podcast. When I learn something new, something that can help me to improve in any way, This energizes me. It gets me all jazzed up. And I know I can't be the only one like this. 
I'm sure for those of you who tune into this podcast, you can relate to what I'm saying here. And I'm honored that you've chosen me to study with wherever you might be tuning into this podcast around the world. But to get back to this book review, little did I know just how powerful Jose Silva's program would be when I recorded part one of this series. As I began reading each chapter that Jose Silva wrote many years ago when he was on a quest to increase learning for his own children, I began piecing together many of the strategies that we've covered on this podcast for improving learning, focus, creativity, imagination, and productivity, all backed by science, right within the pages of the Silva Method. I made many connections to past episodes and research, including Dr. John Dunlosky, way back to episode 37, where he spoke about using spaced repetition as an evidence-based method for improving recall for students that we'll cover today. And this research also appears in John Almerode, Nancy Fry, and Douglas Fisher's recent book, How Learning Works, that we covered on episode 161. Or even the importance of mindfulness and meditation in the classroom, or for athletes, or for the workplace. The connection to current research was enough for me to see that Jose Silva was really onto something with the methods he wrote about years before the research would take off exponentially in this area. Daniel Goleman wrote about this in his book, Altered Traits, where he showed a visual with the research on mindfulness and meditation going up exponentially from the year 2000 to 2020. So my goal with this review of the Silva Method is to help all of us to learn something new to refine our current meditation practice, whether we're working in our schools to improve learning or in our sports environments for improved results towards a specific goal or in the corporate workplace to generate new ideas. I wouldn't have picked this book to review if it hadn't have made such an impact on the world, like Napoleon Hill's book, but I had no idea the concepts I would be learning each week would be so powerful and life-changing. After releasing the first two parts of this program, I began to receive messages from our listeners around the world who view Silva's program, even from those who used it years ago. Then my good friend Hans Ajay from the UK urged me to sign up for the full program through Mindvalley, where the whole course sits today after Vishen Lakhiani, the founder, revised and improved it for its current version. Hans wrote, he said, it'll be transformative. I don't need anyone to twist my arm if there's going to be transformation and learning occurring, so I signed up immediately taking what I'm learning in the pages of Silva's book to a whole new level. I'll stick to covering each chapter, but I have to say that the experiential exercises have brought each chapter to life in a way that I don't think it's possible for me to show with my writing. I'll connect as many exercises as I can find online with each chapter review and encourage those of you who want to learn more to explore the entire program further through Mindvalley. This course is unlike anything I've ever experienced in all my years of studying and learning. So just to review, in part one, we covered chapter one, using more of our mind in special ways, an introduction to the Silva mind control method. We looked at what this program has done for others. We met Jose Silva, learned a bit about him. And then chapter three, we learned how to meditate. 
we reviewed the brain states beta, alpha, theta, and delta, and we learned how to quickly access the alpha state to improve creativity and intuition. We learned how to use a mental screen in our mind for heightened visualization and how to use this method to help ourselves and others using this screen in our mind. Once we understand the different brain states and how to access them, it makes more sense as we dive into the alpha state and practice visualizing on the screen of our mind in this state with the meditation exercises. Understanding the alpha level of mind is the first step in Silva's mind control program and used by itself has tremendous health capabilities. When you're daydreaming or you're just going to sleep but not quite there yet or just awakening but not yet awake, you're in the alpha brain state that Silva calls the inner consciousness where he says our mental world exists with no time or space. With Silva's mind control training, you can enter this alpha level at will and remain fully alert, which is where the exciting part of this program begins. I found two meditations on YouTube that I've listed below to help us to gain access to the experiential activities and take the first steps to applying Jose Silva's program in our daily life. The first one is the alpha meditation one, how to enter the alpha level of mind, This first video is an introduction helping us to understand how to enter the alpha state of mind easily. Jose Silva explains what one needs to do to reach the alpha or the meditative level of mind, and this video illustrates his words beautifully. Then there's a second example that I found on YouTube of entering the alpha state and practicing our mental screen with the 321 countdown method, and it's a 25-minute meditation with Summer Lee, who reads Silva's alpha meditation exactly as he would, but obviously this time it's with a female voice and very peaceful music. Summer does address the fact that someone new to meditating should begin by counting down from 100 to 1 to reach that alpha level using this countdown method that Silva suggests. If you prefer a male voice for this activity, you could sign up for Mind Valley where Vishen Lakiani goes through the same exercise that he calls tapping into alpha with a centering exercise, or you can hear Vishen's YouTube version of the 20-minute centering exercise that I put in the show notes. Once you reach the alpha level, either in the morning or at night or any time of day that you have 15 minutes to spare, Silva explains this is where we envision a peaceful place to help us to relax our mind and body for improved health. This is also the place where we can practice solving a problem that we'll go deeper into in part two. This meditation ends with a one to five countdown method to exit the meditation where we end up feeling better than we did before. Jose Silva reminds us if we did nothing other than practice going to this peaceful state of mind, it would have tremendous health and wellness benefits that research now proves to be true. In part two of our review on our last episode, we covered chapter four on dynamic meditation, where we actually do something while meditating instead of it being a passive practice. We looked at the four laws that must be in place before we visualize a goal and how these four laws mirror Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich book. 
We looked at three steps to solve any problem using the Silva method on the screen that we built in our mind. And then we went into chapter five on improving our memory. And we looked at where Silva's memory hacks have been seen on previous episodes and in the motivational speaking industry. Today, in part three of our review on episode 263, we'll cover chapter six on speed learning and chapter seven, creative sleep. For chapter six on speed learning, I couldn't begin writing about Silva's strategies without referring to Jim Quick first, the founder of Quick Learning, who created his entire business around how to read faster, work smarter, and think better by accelerating your learning and your life by unlocking what he calls our super brain. Jim Quick reminds us something I'm sure we've all heard a million times, that school teaches us what to learn, history, math, science, and languages, but there are zero classes on how to learn, how to listen, focus, concentrate, solve problems, read faster, or remember things. We mentioned Howard Berg, the world's fastest speed reader on our last episode, who taught us on episode 189 many skills that school never taught us, like speed reading or memory tricks. Jose Silva was ahead of his game when he began looking for ways to teach his children and eventually thousands of others who studied his methods to learn faster and be able to remember what they learned for longer periods of time. He offers two strategies in his book for speed learning. The first strategy is using the mental screen for learning paired with the three-finger technique. Silva suggests using our mental screen for learning to speed up and deepen what we learn. He also uses the three-finger technique to help us to reach the alpha state quicker, which can be done while reading to help with focus, concentration, and retention, And he outlines a teacher from Denver who used this three-finger technique to teach her students spelling with a list of 20 words. To test them, she would ask them to write down the words they studied that week, recall the words using the three-finger technique, and see the words on the screen of their minds. She was able to teach all her students to remember their spelling list with this method. The second method for speed learning I'm most interested in As I heard about this strategy in the past, Silva suggests recording your voice when you need to learn something new. When I worked in the seminar industry, we called this a loop tape, and this strategy was for anyone who wanted to take their results to new heights. Whether they were studying for a test and needed to learn something new, or they're an actor who needed to memorize their lines quickly, a loop tape was what we recommended. I even remember it was suggested to me when I first moved to the U.S. and found life in this new country to be challenging. The first thing our offices said was, has Andrea created a loop tape of what she wants her life to look like? It sounds a bit off the wall, but if you don't think something first on the screen of your mind, you'll be less likely to know what you're looking for when you see it. It's crazy to look back now because my current life looks pretty much the way I imagined it to look 20 years ago when I created my first loop tape and even drew a sketch of what I envisioned the house I would live in would look like. So to put this into practice, for someone who wants to apply this strategy to learning something new, 
Silva suggests to read the chapter that you're studying out loud, or whatever it is that you want to remember, and then record it when you're in the beta brain state or wide awake and focused. Next, he says, go to the alpha brain state by either counting backwards using the 3-2-1 method or the three-finger technique and listen to what you recorded while in this state, concentrating on your voice. For added reinforcement, he suggests to let a few days pass and then do it again. Read the material in your beta state and play it back in alpha. This is also in line with Dr. John Donlosky's research using spaced repetition. Moving on to Chapter 7, The Silva Method on Creative Sleep. Silva took the dream world very seriously, and he was interested in using dreams to solve problems. His programs teach us to first of all remember your dreams and suggest writing them down as soon as you wake up. We've covered dreams on this podcast with episode 224 with Harvard neuroscientist Dr. Balan Jalal on sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, and premonitions, or on episode 104 with Antonio Zadra and his book, When Brains Dream. And I even took a stab at explaining why our dreams are so weird, highly emotional, and often forgotten on episode 226, as I've personally been interested in deciphering the message that come through in our dream state. I mentioned on a recent episode with Dr. Hassan Akram how motivational speaker Bob Proctor would encourage all of us to write down our dreams to see what we could learn from them. I've got quite the dream log that goes back to the late 90s, and while no one other than myself would understand the significance within my scribbles, they're very clear to me. So here's an example. I was planning to move from Toronto, Canada to Arizona, USA in January of 2000. I'd applied to come to the USA on the H-1B-1 visa for the work that I was doing with teenagers, and I didn't get the paperwork I needed until April of 2021. You can see a dream I recorded in December of 2000 where I wrote, Bob at office, putting in new computer, telling me how I should set up my Phoenix office. That to someone else might be just a bunch of jumbled words, but to me, that was a clear sign that I was going to eventually make it to Arizona with some suggestions of how to set up my office when I got there. I remember this dream clearly, with Bob actually hiding the wires behind my computer underneath my desk. With each log I've written, I can now go back over the dream in my head whenever I want, and the messages within each dream are obvious, or at least they are to me. So how to use your dreams as guidance? I've used this dream log to guide me in my personal and professional life, and I highly encourage anyone who wants to gain more self-awareness to try this activity. Silva began using dreams to solve his problems back in 1949, and he said the more he studied, the more humbling it was, as he realized he knew less and less as time moved forward. He was always looking to learn more to help others with his research. He writes an incredible story about how he dreamed three numbers, and then he couldn't figure out what they were until a string of events led him to a gas station where someone he was with saw the numbers on a lottery ticket. He bought the ticket and went on to win $10,000, that's more like $50,000 today, and he used this to fund his research over the years. This isn't the only story where dreams have had a significant importance. 
Richard Bach, the author of the book, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, was an important book in the field of personal development that was almost never written. Richard Bach explains that he couldn't figure out the ending to this story until he saw the ending in a dream he had, helping him to finish the book. This book made the cover of Time magazine and back credits the Silva method for the mental discipline and visualization that he needed to complete this book. So to put this dream strategy into place, begin first of all by writing down your dreams as soon as you wake up. I used to keep a notebook next to my bed to do this, but now with a phone nearby, I wake up and use the notepad on my phone. But what if you don't recall your dreams? Dreams are hard to remember. And Stephanie Galing, the author of The Complete Book of Dreams, says that on average, within five minutes, we forget 50% of what we dream. And within 10 minutes, only 10% may remain. And there are certain neurotransmitters, brain chemicals, that are necessary to transform short-term memories into long-term ones. Some of these, including norepinephrine, are at a very low level while dreaming, therefore creating an innate block to having our nighttime visions etched in our mind. The second step to put this dream strategy into place is take the dream world seriously. If you can be like Silva and put value on your dreams, Galing says those who revere their dreams and accept them as an integral part of their life remember them more often. I learned from Vishen Lakiani in the Silva Ultramine online course that some indigenous cultures that he's come across in his studies wake up and begin their day by discussing their dreams and what messages they can see in their dream state. I know we're far off from starting our corporate meetings this way, but if you can do this on your own, I do promise you'll see things that will help you in your everyday waking life. Step three, make sure you're sleeping long enough. Galing reported in her complete book of dreams that since dreams that arrive in the early morning are thought to be more vivid and complex, be sure you're sleeping long enough that you don't miss out on this last REM stage of sleep. So how do you know when your REM sleep is? You can use a sleep tracker and see. I put a screenshot of my REM sleep from my last night that shows what points of the night I was in REM. My report showed last night's REM sleep to be 21% higher than my 30-day average, but unfortunately, I did not remember my dreams from last night as I didn't intentionally write them down. And finally, have confidence that you will remember your dreams. The strategy of having the intention of remembering your dream works well, and also not worrying if you don't remember them every night. My dream log has weeks of gaps where I don't remember anything at all, or it just wasn't something I thought was important to remember at the time. So to bring this episode to a close and review Chapter 6 on speed learning and Chapter 7 on creative dreams, in Chapter 6 on speed learning, we looked at two strategies that included number one, using the mental screen paired with the three finger technique if you wanna learn something quickly using the alpha brain state. And two, Silva also covered recording your voice or creating what I knew of as the loop tape of whatever it is that you wanna remember. You would record what you wanna remember in the beta or awake state 
and then listen to it in the alpha state using the three-finger technique or from counting backwards. In Chapter 7 on Creative Dreams, we covered four strategies for remembering our dreams and taking them seriously like Jose Silva did himself. In the resource section, I put the links to three meditations I found online that can help you to take Silva's ideas written in his book to new heights in your own life. I hope you take the time to go through the meditations where you'll see what Hans Ajay told me. They're transformational. I wanted to learn something new with my current meditation practice and had no idea just how deep Jose Silva's program would take me. On our next episode, number 164, we'll cover Chapter 8, Your Words Have Power, Chapter 9, The Power of Your Imagination, and Chapter 10, Using Your Mind to Improve Your Health. We'll see you next episode. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 